Systematic. Systematic. Recorded in Humble Park, Chicago. Systematic podcast. Hosted by Twin Sisters. It's a magic podcast. Alexis and Samantha. Samantha. Just in case you're friends. Systematic podcast. Hey, welcome back to Systematic. The show about politics, pop culture, and, and sisterhood. sisterhood. It's your girls here. I'm Sam. And I'm Alexis. And this is season two, episode six, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's February and it's Black History Month, but it's Black, Black History, History Month, Month all, all year. year. We said that at the same time, not on purpose. Oh my but gosh. We all know that the education system in America hasn't done a sufficient job at educating us on the history and contributions of black people and colonized people. And beyond that, it actively works to erase a lot of their stories and contributions. Right. Erase, minimize, de-radicalize, all of that. So while this education process is something we should be doing all year round, this is a great, a, as great a time as any to commit ourselves and commit some time to learning the stories and celebrating the lives of black people. And one great way to do that is through watching documentaries. Right. Some of the documentaries that have been really impactful for me have been documentaries including And Still I Rise on the Life of Maya Angelou, What Happened Miss Simone on the Life of Nina Simone, I'm Not Your Negro on James Baldwin, and The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. There's also a new movie coming out on HBO this week called Judas and the Black Messiah, which is about Chairman Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party here in Chicago. It looks uh, incredible. It looks really powerful. I'm looking forward to watching it. If you are unfamiliar with the story of Fred Hampton, it's a must-see. Period. So, moving along, we got some really good news last month that you might have already seen on social media. We were awarded a grant from the Field Foundation. Yeah, it was specifically a media and storytelling grant, um, and it's specifically for people doing media and storytelling work in Chicago Mm -hmm. that is um, directed at communities of color um, in the city, so it it's just really nice that we our mission was aligned with the type of work that the field foundation supported right and we've been doing this for a little while now and it's something that we've put a lot of time and our own resources into you know just because we cared about the work and because we wanted to uplift the stories of women of color and gender non-conforming folk around us whose stories are so valuable and deserve to be heard so is a good feeling to have a field foundation like um, essentially saying that they think that work is valuable too Mm -hmm. Um, and the money from the grant is not going you know we're not lining our pockets or going to buy red bottoms Uh, it's (laughs) all pretty much being reinvested um, into expanding our capacity expanding our team yes expanding our reach Um, and just creating better quality content for all of you yeah and with that being said uh we can jump into the first topic of the episode alexis do you want to start with some politics sure so in our last episode we left off covering what happened 
um, with the insurrection and attack on the Capitol on January 6th. Right. And it's been just about a month since then. That went by quickly. Yes. And there's been a lot that's that's happened since the last month. But this week marks the beginning of the second impeachment trial of now former, thank God, President Donald Trump. Um, I'm sure you all know this is the first time in U.S. history a president has to undergo a second impeachment. Mm -hmm. And the Senate is going to try and make the process as quick as possible. The odds that they will actually vote to convict Trump are slim. They're going to need a two-thirds majority in the Senate, which means about 17 Republicans are going to have to vote to convict um and as we know a lot of republicans are cowardly (laughs) yes uh and are not likely to stand up for um you know the law so mainly because they're they're still like they want trump supporters to vote for them or to support them in their runs yeah they don't want to go against him which is just not how it should work yes well even though yeah trump left office with i think like some of the lowest approval ratings of any president they still see the republican party as now being largely trump's party the other big issue at play with the impeachment is that democrats are trying to move the process along as fast as possible joe biden and the democratic Um, members of congress are trying to get a huge stimulus bill passed and they can't work on passing the stimulus bill while an impeachment trial is going on um so the quicker the impeachment is over with the quicker we are on our road to stimulus checks and support for millions of american americans across the country who are really hurting who are facing unemployment who um, are dealing with the uh, deaths of their loved ones and their family. We're, we've passed over 465,000 deaths in this country, which could have been prevented. So, yeah, we, the American people, our communities need this support yesterday. Uh, so it's really complicating the impeachment trial because if we really want to bring the hammer down, so to say, on Trump for what he did in inciting the attack on the Capitol, that could take a long time. We can um, bring in witnesses, you know, all different processes. But it probably wouldn't change that many of the Republicans' votes. It might. Could. So, so it's a complicated situation. We'll keep you posted on how it plays out starting this week. Yeah, hopefully we get these stimmies sooner rather than later um, because people deserve it. And speaking of other things that people deserve and uh, deserve access to, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout has started. Alexis, did you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, vaccines are being distributed all all across the country. Right now in Chicago, you have access to a COVID-19 vaccine if you are an essential frontline worker or if you are someone who is 65 years old or older. So if your grandma or your parents, um, a loved one in your life is over 65, 
definitely make sure you check in with them. Talk to them about their plan, if they've talked to their doctors, um, if they are are planning on getting the vaccine. I know that a lot of communities of, col- of color, there is a high skepticism for things like vaccines, mm-hmm. um, especially in communities like the Puerto Rican community, um, as well as the, the black community um, for you know, very valid reasons. Valid reasons. There's histories. Human rights abuses committed on large scales by medical practitioners against black and brown communities. So there's a reason for distrust. Uh, But in this case, this is just the COVID-19 pandemic is unprecedented. We all need to do what we can. Um, And the vaccine is these the two vaccines that are being distributed now um, are, are demonstrated to be highly effective. So in Chicago, actually, there's been a lot of reporting about how most of the people getting the vaccine are white. People are lining up. People are on their computers refreshing um, vaccine registration pages like this is a concert um, and they're trying to get tickets. And the people doing this are wealthy people and disproportionately white people in the city. Um, They're coming into black and brown neighborhoods specifically and taking vaccine spots. And there's a reason they know that this vaccine is very effective. It's gonna increase our quality of life. So we highly suggest you get the vaccine for yourself as soon as you can and talk to your family and friends about why they should be open to trying to get the vaccine as soon as possible as well. Um, It's really a a form of self-love for yourself and showing love for your family and your community. Yes, and it's pretty much the only solution to getting to the other side of this pandemic. So I'm trying to get mine as soon as possible, and you should get yours too. I believe the city of Chicago is planning to open up vaccine access to everyone by the summer. I think they're aiming for June, so we will definitely keep you posted on that. And I know that you had one more topic you wanted to touch on before we switch gears, right, Alexis? Yes, I wanted to talk about AOC and an Instagram live discussion that she held last week where she was giving a recount of her experience, the really traumatic experience that she had on January 6th during the insurrection and attack on the Capitol. And while she was explaining how traumatic and terrifying this situation was, she talked about hiding in her office bathroom while men were busting into her office and screaming, where is she? Mm -hmm. Um, And she talked about how that the trauma from that event was compounding and triggering um, previous trauma that she had as a sexual assault survivor mm-hmm. uh, so this was kind of you know bombshell news um her coming out as as a survivor and and it was really important there's so much stigma around sexual assault and around survivors that women and people who experience uh, assault have to deal with so mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's really brave of her to come forward with this really... I don't know 
I'm like his brave, right? Or sometimes people are like, oh, you're so brave. It is brave of her, especially in the position that she's in, but it's like, I feel like it shouldn't be. It Like, you sh people should be allowed to. Yeah, they should be allowed to, but it's definitely, she's definitely brave for doing it. It's an extremely vulnerable thing. And yeah, when you're someone who's already in the public eye, who's already like suffering like attacks and terrible things like being said about you and death threats on a daily basis, <laughs> like to give all of these people who are out to get you even more like fuel and insight into things that have hurt you in the past like mm -hmm. i think it's brave for her to come forward yeah no it definitely is i i agree i just like hate that it even has to be that way if that makes sense yeah no i think it takes like a lot of courage like to share that with the world in a public public forum um so yeah and i know she this is probably her her doing this has probably yeah given a lot of other women and survivors strength and i think it's also drawing a lot of attention to the importance of mental health and really creating important conversations about what trauma is and how it impacts people um so yeah it was pretty amazing to see her talk about this on instagram live i think this topic actually ties in really well to a topic that you'd mentioned earlier sam that you wanted to cover in our pop culture segment do you want to go ahead yeah so i really wanted to talk about this tv show on hbo it's a series by michaela cole called i may destroy you michaela actually um she wrote the series and stars in it and directed a lot of it herself and it's loosely based on her experiences with sexual assault and consent and it's a really intense and important series that i think addresses a lot of uh you know how common a lot of these experiences are for for women and and others and i just i really can't recommend this show enough especially i think men like this like het men should really watch this show i was trying to tell a friend of mine to watch it and he was kind of like i don't know things like that like kind of scare me or like sounds uncomfortable or like something and i'm just like yeah like you should be uncomfortable and watch this like you think you're uncomfortable like women are uncomfortable people are uncomfortable to have to deal with this and deal with uh, assault and harassment on a daily basis so um i think that it's a really good show f for for straight men to watch and i mean everyone the visuals are really like the visuals the production like everything is amazing i mean it's an hbo production so it's great but um her writing and the, the cast uh, it's it all comes together um to tell this really important story in a very cinematic way and did you talk about the golden globes snub oh um no uh yeah so it came up the show came out last year i believe 2020 but it's been around the news a lot because all the award shows came out with their nominations and like it didn't get any nominations which is like actually crazy because i have it's not a joke yeah no it's really like fucked up uh, 
this show is like nothing I've seen before in the way that it topics it addresses these topics um and you know there's a common trend that we see these award shows disregarding the stories of black people people of color um and their experiences so it's not surprising but we're gonna continue to uplift her work yeah she she's an amazing writer i'm sure everything she she does is gonna go well but uh yeah i really just can't recommend this enough go watch i may destroy you on hbo the second pop culture topic i wanted to discuss is actually another tv show um it's a reality tv show the 25th season of the bachelor if you're unfamiliar with this show or this franchise it's been it's it's not known for being diverse no yeah it's known for being like super white uh 25 seasons it it was a lot of seasons to never have a black bachelor or anyone who wasn't white right they did have one guy before a few years ago that was like spanish i think or he was venezuelan but he was like super white venezuelan um so it took a really long time and you know it is an obvious like response to the social unrest that happened this past summer and year where the show really just like got dragged for being like so not inclusive yeah just like outdated pretty much right so so yeah we have the first black bachelor there was a a black female bachelorette before but this is the first black male yes in the franchise yeah so Um, yeah the bachelor isn't a show that we typically watch i mean the premise of the show is essentially like 30 women competing against each other to marry one guy yeah um so it's a pretty ridiculous show but i do think that it's interesting to see how such a historically non-diverse franchise is trying to make this pivot and how these um social dynamics are going to play out on on tv on a weekly basis with the whole country watching right so we've we've been watching i am doing my research this is the most also aside from um him being the first black bachelor the cast of women that are competing are it's also the most diverse cast of women there's like women from every background Mm -hmm. which is awesome yeah it is a lot of diverse women i will say most of them are still i mean you know they're still they're still like mostly thin and conventionally attractive um so so this is really just the beginning of this franchise trying to catch up and be more inclusive and more representative of what americans and america actually looks like so we'll just have to wait and see if they continue this commitment in their future seasons or if they go back to their old ways my bet is their ratings are probably super up and i'm sure there's a strong incentive to keep it going okay dope i feel like we kind of covered a lot Mm-hmm. And we're gonna transition now to our featured interview for the episode. Right before we do, definitely feel free to go into whatever app you're streaming this on and give us a rate and review. 
write a little comment, feedback, thoughts on the show. It's super helpful, and we appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your family. And hit us up in DMs or email with any suggestions or ideas or questions you might have for us about anything that we've covered in this episode. Time for me, take time. Do you have time for me? Get it, get it, get it, when I see you innovate, get it, Welcome to Systematic Podcast. Um, thank you thank again you. so much for being here and joining us. Uh, for everyone listening, we are sitting with the amazing, inspirational Naira. She is an organizer here in the city, an amazing poet, student, creative, all around amazing person. Thank Her you. Fourth of Black Rising, right? It's a mutual aid group here in the city. Is there anything else off the bat that like people should know about you? No, yeah, that's yeah, you got it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so you're from Chicago. What like part of the city are you from? The south side. So originally I'm from like far south, like the hundreds, but I moved uh, a little closer to the middle of the city, but still on the south side. Yeah, I wanted to start off saying um, kind of how I like got introduced to you. Uh, I saw you speaking all summer, like at different demonstrations, uh, and you're obviously like very like noticeable. <clears throat> you're like you have like a very powerful presence. And the way that you speak is like so like confident and like demanding of people's attention. It was a really dope experience for me to to see you um, speaking. I was like at Lincoln Park, like when we were in like Wrigley, like Lakeview, like outside Lori's house, like downtown, like on Michigan Avenue. Y'all was really like holding things down for the city, and it was really dope to see that. Um, like so many young people, especially um, at the front. And I know that you're a poet, right? And I was, yeah. I'm sure that that like kind of has some type of like overlap to your organizing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was curious how you got into organizing and like how you got into poetry. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Um, Really appreciate that. Like uh, we were able to organize things that um, reached you um, in that kind of way. So. Um, and also I'm very thankful that you were popping out because I know it was like really hectic this summer and there were a lot of times where things weren't like as safe as they could be. So um, I'm appreciative of that. Yeah, so as far as organizing goes, um, in the intersection of organizing and poetry, I feel like since I've, like for poetry, I always say poetry is my first language. Um, I started writing poetry when I was in like fifth grade-ish, but I spent from the time I was in fifth grade up until high school, mostly just like reading and listening to other people's work. So I didn't actually start writing that that much until I got into high school. But I say that to say I've always been like capable of like public speaking because I've always been like uh, capable or like drawn to public speaking because that's what spoken word is. Slam poetry is kind of just like a facet of public speaking. So when I was, uh, well, I started going to protest maybe like 2014-ish or 2016, um, not 2016, 2014 and 2015 when I was still in high school. And then I would just like attend protests like BYP and BLM Chicago or whatever. They would put on protests and stuff like that. And when I was a senior in high school, I organized my first protest and it was to remove cops out of our CPS school, which um, cops out of CPS is a huge thing. But when I did it in high school, I wasn't aware 
of like you know like that being a thing that like was like being fought for on a larger scale um which could have just been an oversight because at that time i hadn't necessarily been attending protests because i was uh, about to leave for college um mm -hmm. that year but yeah so uh that was the first protest i ever organized that was when i was 17 and i like you know led those chants or whatever um but i left chicago and then moved back to chicago um and this summer i was just attending protests and then i was at one protest and someone offered to i was chant leading with no megaphone and someone like offered me theirs and so i started chant leading and then that, that's how i got into like oh i can like help chant lead or whatever like just working adjacent to different orgs that are in the city um so like a kids in that city and blm and buip and all them um just kind of like trying to show up and help out in whatever way that I can. And then we made Black Rising in July. So now we're here. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I was going to say too that uh, we actually, we also um, used to write a little bit and we did like LTAB and things like that too. So I were not as good as you <laughs> at all. It was just like a thing that we did for fun. Um, but uh, that's interesting that I, we have like some kind of like, uh overlap i guess in experiences and uh. were there any orgs um that helped you get into poetry young chicago authors was where i've like almost always done anything poetry related there was a poetry team at my school but my oldest sister um she did louder than a bomb and brave new voices like long before i even made it to my first LTAP stage um my oldest sister is probably like eight years older than me, something like that. So that's how I like found out about um, poetry and stuff. So I would, I started watching her stuff because her stuff was on YouTube. And then I would watch her friend's stuff and then stuff like that. And then found out about LTAB and then like, you know, so on and so forth. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so great that you like had that, um, like her as like an inspiration and like insight into that whole world. Also, yeah, shout out YCA. Um, yeah <laughs> they're great um they definitely are they actually like sponsor and like help us uh with the podcast so we love them <laughs> oh that's what's up yeah it's an unpaid that is so but <laughs> no yeah that that is I awesome that. i were you gonna say something well yeah i was gonna say i mean these works are like just um, such a huge asset to young people in the city like so many of like the like like best artists that come out of Chicago, like come out of programs like LCA and LTAP and U Media, yeah. um, and it's just like yeah, such a like a yeah that I'm grateful for. Yeah, super grateful for like free programming like that. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, I don't know what I would have done with myself in my free time had it not been for YCA <laughs> and open mics. Open mics anywhere really because there's. There's a few around the city that I used to frequent. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, it's really dope. Uh, when it comes to your poetry and writing, um, how would you describe your like sound or your style? Or like, what are some um, theme like that you talk about? Maybe I know that you um, you placed like fifth in the Woman of the World Poetry Slam, right? Like out of like almost like a hundred contestants or something. That is yeah. Really <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, themes for me would probably be um well obviously like i i write around things that are related to social justice sometimes not as much as of recently because um 
I like to focus on things, but I don't like to be completely consumed by things. So I haven't, like, in the past, like, year or so, haven't been really necessarily writing too many social justice poems. But that was definitely, like, some of the first things that I would write about. Um, just, like, my identity as a Black woman um, also is, like, a theme for me. But um, I like to focus on, like, taking a large subject, subject and focusing on, like, a single moment or a single incident. Um, that's like something that I do a lot in my work. Um, but yeah, just writing about like my experiences and how things that I experience are related to parts of my identity. And then I also, I also like to write stuff that's like more lighthearted, like taking something that's serious and trying to make it like a little bit funny or like sarcastic. Um, but yeah, those are usually the types of things I write about. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Those sound like really like important and, um, I feel you that like finding a balance is is probably difficult but like good uh, i used to write like really depressing poetry so i feel you i'm like the same to switch it up um, yeah i'm like let me laugh or something let me <laughs> yeah no definitely yeah i'm curious um like what your experience might have been like i don't know if you watched the inauguration or saw um clips of amanda gorman's poem uh but it was really interesting for me to see like the whole world um captivated by her poem like it was like the highlight of the event um for a lot of people who i think like a lot of people who had never seen like a young woman and a young black woman like um doing like that type of poetry and that type of art um mm -hmm. and like yeah in chicago we're fortunate to be able to like see this this style of art um fairly frequently but i was wondering like what your experience was like like seeing the whole world like being exposed to this art form i'm gonna be completely transparent with you i did not watch the inauguration i was not interested at all like i know that sounds like so bad but i was not interested yeah i don't know i just wasn't <laughs> i was like no thanks i watched like some snippets from it but I didn't really watch the inauguration. Um, and I also like read and saw snippets of the poem. And I'm, I don't know. I feel like it's funny because like poets from Chicago are kind of like mm, about the poem. Cause like, I feel like every time, well, first of all, I'm very proud of her and I'm very pr proud of her for getting that presidential bag. Like kudos to you girl, like go crazy, do it by any means necessary, get that bag with the asterisk next to it though. Right. Because like, it would just be so interesting to see someone get on a large stage like that and say something really radical because i feel like oftentimes we are put in front of these crowds of people who don't necessarily want to hear how we actually feel and when it involves like money or like attention like um when it involves exposure we allow ourselves to be watered down um in order to appease a certain crowd especially when it's something like really really big so i'm not gonna say that like she doesn't make good work or whatever like I, I didn't even listen to the poem really i just heard snippets of it and listened to the other people in my community talk about it and what i'm gathering that is that it was a very we are the world let us come together type of piece and that's not the reality of how the world is going to change um is by it's not making us um aware of our differences and putting our differences aside no there are people who are who are aware of the differences and then weaponizing those differences mm -hmm. um 
and yes so i mean you know whatever like it's i'm not like tripping about it you know but it it would be a shame if someone got on the stage like that and radicalized everybody in the crowd <laughs> yeah no i think that that is like a super like valid and important perspective thank you for sharing yeah no definitely i mean i definitely agree on just like yeah being like palatable and like just like trying to like fit in and not like ruffle any feathers but um well i'm sure they had to like vet her poem like a bunch yeah maybe they like threatened her like you better not i'm yeah i mean i'm i'm sure there's probably like legal like things yeah like um, yeah definitely i can only imagine like the types of like stipulations they put on her so but i'm very proud of her for um doing that work and getting an opportunity like that she did her thing yeah (laughs) and brought a form of an art form at least to like a greater visibility so that was dope at least (laughs) but yeah no that was that was it i mean yeah okay cool I'm like, we, I want to know so many things about you and your experiences in general. And like, I know that the past year, like, has just been like super intense to say, I don't know if that's like an understatement. I know that the media has depicted like the BLM movement and like protesters in like a super negative light. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering if there's like one moment or like moments that stand out to you over the past year or over the past summer that were like particularly like moving or powerful or like I don't know just kind of like changing like the narratives from like what people who weren't on the streets like might not like know or have seen yeah um I would say well there are a couple things um the first thing is that we did a bunch of grocery drives right uh trina trill dominic james matt muse and then why am i drawing a blank for his name um there were four people who put together the grab and go basically um is is his name jihad yeah um they put together this people's grab and go and every Sunday we would meet at YCA and pack groceries. And this for, was for months. Every Sunday we would meet at YCA and pack groceries. And then on Monday, we would distribute those groceries at Burke Elementary, which is like, I believe that's like the Washington Park area. Um, to people who, whoever needed it, whoever came up and asked for groceries. And we didn't have the news there, right? And we did that the whole summer. And I guess it just was not interesting enough to broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, some people like covered it, but not nearly as much as they covered looting, not nearly as much as they covered, right? Like when we would take the streets and things like that. But it was a very beautiful thing. There are people who came multiple times who were looking forward to seeing us there, having the things that they need. And even just like people who came, um, who like came week after week, uh, building community with those people is just very beautiful. We would be out there like dancing, it would be super hot or it'd be like drizzling or whatever the case was. And we'd just be out there like having a good time and inviting people to take advantage of those resources. And that was really beautiful. And um, yeah, the news just doesn't cover stuff like that. Also, when we did the Logan Square lockdown and even just at some protests in general, when we like hold an intersection or something like that, or we're holding space wherever we are and someone plays music and we're running around dancing and stuff like that, that is so beautiful. And a lot of people think that that's like 
we're not taking what we're doing seriously or we're wasting time or we're like, you know, like playing around too much or whatever the case is. But like our joy is like black and brown kids who are, you feel me, like drafted to a fight that we shouldn't have to be a part of. Um, our joy is uh, black and brown kids who are who like gave up their summer right like we a lot of us gave up our entire summer to be standing outside yelling at police officers trying to trying to get things done or whatever um or passing out groceries or doing mutual aid or trying to help people out doing jail or whatever a lot of us didn't have a summer and so those moments when we created that like atmosphere um we created that enjoyment or like a little party or a block party or a get together amidst all of the like anger and like negative emotion that follows having to um struggle uh with the system i feel like it's really really beautiful um so yeah i think those are like two things that were uh really interesting it's crazy though because like the media is really like a monster um like mainstream media is like really truly a monster um that's designed to uh, paint people as one group of people or certain groups of people a certain way while glorifying other groups of people and I've always known that but to have that happen to you and your friends like before your eyes is a completely different experience because like you have like okay so Jalen Kobayashi gave a, a speech at a press conference um during our break the piggy bank action and he was he said so many things the speech was beautiful the news takes I don't know if it's like the six o'clock news, whatever. They take one snippet of what Jalen said, where he says, um, I don't want the next mobile. I want the next Malcolm X. I want the next Asada Shakur. And they just like cut it right there. And they were like, did you know Asada Shakur is hiding in Cuba because she killed the cop or whatever they said. And that was just so crazy. Like they didn't get any of the rest of his speech. They were just like, this dude wants cop killers running around town. And like, that was so infuriating. And I realized that like, we really do have to like like force our narrative to the forefront constantly which is why it's so important for us to always be sharing um media that we produce ourselves versus relying on media created by like the news or whatever um but yeah, yeah it's so annoying though um yeah, yeah. well yeah that's a big reason why we like wanted to to do this podcast um especially like with all the um young leaders and especially young women like yourself in chicago who like you're saying like are are sacrificing so much for like committing themselves to pr the pursuit of justice um and and there's such a lack of like accurate coverage of of like why people are doing this work um and what's on the line yeah um yeah, yeah. i can yeah. i can definitely relate to i remember in 2014 no 2016 um during the presidential campaign trump had planned a like a rally at uic where i was um doing college at the time and yeah he, the uic community which is like super diverse um we the student like all the student groups at the university came together to um, organize a demonstration outside of the rally and it was just like completely student-led um especially like led by like muslim students undocumented students mm -hmm. and uh trump ended up not being able to show up and, ha and do his rally um because there were so many people outside and i remember the news coverage the day after was saying that we were paid protesters george soros was funding us 
um, that we were like doing cancel culture or like trying to limit his free speech. Um, when like he he could have still gone and done his rally, the stadium was full or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was yeah, really infuriating. It's really infuriating to deal with those um, yeah. harmful narratives. Definitely. I like really, yeah, appreciate what you were sharing about like the more joyous moments and like the community building. And uh, we were there outside Lori's house. Yeah, then when they announced like that the Columbus statue was coming down and like, that was so fun. <laughs> like everybody was just like turning up and like, yeah, people um, don't realize that our like joy is like a form of rebellion as well. So I mm-hmm. I really agree. Um, I appreciated a lot of those moments too. Oh, also, were you there the other time outside Lori Lightfoot's house when they started like reading the police misconduct that they were like yeah numbers that was like really powerful as well yeah yeah that's that was crazy yeah good kids mad city do not play like like they do not they do not play at all I love them so much they definitely like they want all the smoke like (laughs) when it comes to like you feel me like they want all the smoke um but yeah they definitely like snapped with that um i mean the the youth was really like you guys were really like holding down the movement here in the city i think well that's what i I was gonna ask um yeah it's very it's clear that the the movement here is youth-led um like you were mentioning and yeah do you have like ideas of, of like why that is um i guess like that's a really good question um you know, and it's crazy because like, if this was like five, six years ago, who the youth was, I mean, obviously because people get older, was a different set of people. And I feel like it's like a very interesting thing for me because I'm in between these like younger kids who are like, um, but like high school age to like early college age. So they're like, maybe like 19, 20, and then like younger. And then like the, the OGs are like, 25 24 25 26 27 and i'm 22 and like i have friends who are a part of that like older group who was outside when trayvon uh, martin was killed and when rukia was killed and when um laquan mcdonald was killed like those that like they're not old but they're older than the group of kids the like median age of the group of kids that's usually outside right now um but i'm like friends with people from that group of people and then also friends with people um obviously who are organizing right now and i don't know why um it's just young people out there because i mean i guess you know the older you get then you know the things that you are you are capable of doing change it's not that they're like old and their backs ache and stuff like that but they're probably tired Cause this work is like really, really draining. Um, and it's also like, it's full time with no pay. And people, you know, get older, they have to pay bills, they move out of their parents' houses, they gotta finish school, or they have to like work full time and whatever the case is. And so I feel like, you know, their their help, um, we call them adult allies, their, their help is more remote now, but also at the same time, there is a a gap between older organizers and youth organizers and it's not favorable like it's not um the best thing um i really do wish that there was more of a there was like a bridge over that gap so that we could be able to work together because there is kind of like this distrust for youth organizers because it's kind of like y'all know what you're doing um but at the same time it's like okay well then show us if y'all have like the keys or whatever um but it's not like you know 
I don't think that any of that is intentional necessarily. It's just kind of like a, a disconnect between like, you know, the younger group. But yeah, no, I'm not, I that's the only thing I can think of though, that people are kind of just like tap, tap out at a certain point. They're just like, I don't want to be walking for hours anymore. I don't want to be, you know, whatever. Or maybe they're like just stepping back and giving us the room to, to do what it is or like to um, amplify our voices. Because there's definitely like, you know, older groups of people who are a part of like these, like, older orgs because black rising is like a baby organization right like we're we're babies um but these like older orgs like byp and such uh doing other types of work that is not necessarily organizing protests but yeah i don't know i wish it wasn't like that though i definitely like there are times where like you know we do want to glean from older organizers um but there's just a little bit of a disconnect which comes with the gap in age yeah <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we have like, honestly, I mean, I, I feel like we could keep talking for like so long. Like, I think that you're so interesting. Um, but, oh, thank you. But yeah, yeah, we have like a few more things we want to ask yeah. you about. Um, I was curious as well, like what your experience was like as, as a woman in this space. Um, I think, yeah, historically when people think of like civil rights movement, social justice movements in general, they think about male leaders at the forefront. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, we appreciate that in Chicago, again, it's like a lot of women, um, black. And like black women, especially indigenous women, queer folk as well, queer folk at the front. Uh, yeah. Do you think that that has like played a role in your experience? Yeah, I'm actually dro- going to drop some shirts that say shut up when black women are speaking because there are a lot of times where <clears throat> we because a lot of times the majority of people who organize uh, an event or a protest or whatever it is the team is probably women or queer led or obviously both um but it's usually black women who organize a lot of that stuff like mostly black women and that's not to say that black men you know are not like organizing stuff but majority of the time it's mostly black women who put whatever it is we're participating in together um but then you have you know white people or like white men or black men who show up with their own megaphone and talk over you um and that's super super frustrating it also always takes another man to get a man to shut up which is also irritating, right? Because like, I should be able to tell somebody, hey, stop talking over me, or hey, stop giving people instructions that's not what we're doing right now, and they listen. But unfortunately, there have been several situations where men have like bugged up on um, the women who were organizing because they didn't want to um, step off their soapbox. And so that's really stressful because it also poses a safety threat, right? We've had guys threaten to put their hands on us before and stupid stuff like that, or like in our faces, like, whatever and it's taking like other men to be like yo like you can be like back off which is stupid but i mean it's better than having a random man put his hands on you i guess but like yeah so um it definitely has affected uh my experience but at the same time though i feel like there is this like this very um specific to our community there's this like passion from certain people behind protecting black women. And so while there are are places that I am made more vulnerable, there are also there have also been a lot of places that I've been uplifted more than ever before 
um, as a black woman. So it's not just all that. Like I, I have recently been experiencing like, or been receiving a lot of love um, just behind this like growing movement to like protect um, and uplift black women, um, which is also a beautiful thing. Um, I definitely feel like more protected now than ever. Um, so yeah. We'd love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so one more thing before we wrap up. Well, yeah, we've kind of touched on this in, in, in the conversation. Um, but could you explain what mutual aid is, like, for someone who may, might not be familiar with the term? And, like, what are some examples yeah. of how um, you and, like, Black Rising, how you guys do that in the city? Yeah, so mutual aid is essentially um, resources being, like, distributed to the community, right? So like there being like a pot or pots or a reserve of resources that are there for the community's use. Um, so the way our mutual aid work is that we works is that we accept donations and then people ask us for money. Hey, I need a new bike. Oh, I need a new, whatever, a fridge. I need to pay this ticket. I have hospital bills. I have a light bill missing. I need an Uber, whatever the case is. They tell us how much they need and then we just give them the money. Um, that's how Black Rising's mutual aid works. Mutual aid for other people sometimes is like they give out mutual aid as grants. So they're like, hey, are you a such and such, whatever identity person? Do you need money for rent? We got you. Or some people might be like, hey, are you a person between this and this age? Um, I remember Good Kids Mad City was doing, um, they were doing like a mutual aid Friday or something like that um, before the summertime. Um, and they, you just have to like fill out a form and they give like use $50 or something like that. But yeah, so um, that's essentially what mutual aid is. And the mutual aid is not necessarily just money. Um, it's like, you know, like we're passing out groceries or we're giving out PPE kits or fresh produce or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's essentially like, you know, us coming together to create resources and then sharing those resources with the people in our community that are in need. Love that. Thank you so much for that explanation. Um, I think it's really important yeah. because I think that sometimes people think like if you're not like in the streets like protesting that you're like people think like you're not organizing or like you're not doing anything and I think a lot of times yeah people don't realize that so many of these like community groups um, are organizing and a lot of that looks like mutual aid and bringing resources to the communities and vice versa people who are allies and who you know started getting involved um last year and were you know joining demonstrations uh just because it's winter and it's cold and like there's not as many demonstrations doesn't mean that there's not like ways you can still plug in and do this type of work right and right. with that being said do you have any like suggestions or like advice on like if people like people who are listening want to be involved or like if they want to help or if they want to donate or volunteer yeah um i'd say just like get plugged into um like whatever orgs um you can via social media so like follow good kids mad city follow byp follow blm follow black rising um so that you can follow Free Mohawk. Um, Free My Nigga Mohawk is the name of the page. Um, so that you can see when flyers are posted. Um, 
and then like just like pop out and when you get there you feel me like try to ask how you can help or whatever um and also because i mean you know some people will like dm or be like hey how can i help but like i feel like i mean speaking from the perspective of black rising our dms are like it's hectic it's like really hectic in there i feel like the best thing the best way that people can get plugged in is to show up because the one thing that we need especially when it's cold outside is like people actually still showing up physically um and then because that's how i even got involved right like i just showed up to things and then like oh you have a megaphone well let me ask you let get to know you or, or know your name or whatever the case is like assuming that person is an organizer or whatever but just like showing up in person is like the the best thing that anyone can do um to get involved and to just help in general um and then as far as like donating and stuff like that goes um I always advise people donate to smaller grassroots orgs. Don't donate to some big ominous blanket mm-hmm. charity. Like people are always like, oh, so and so donated thousands of dollars to Black Liberation. What does that mean? Like donate to like smaller grassroots orgs. If people are doing mutual aids, like donate to Black Rises Mutual Aid and donate to Good Kids Mad Cities. Um, I'm not sure what they call this. I don't know if they call this necessarily mutual aid, but donating to Black, I mean, Good Kids Mad City, who has a link in their bio, or whatever the case is, um, so that actual people are coming in contact with that money and not just some, like, you know what I mean? Like, random, ominous cloud of liberation that no one ever actually knows who who it belongs to. Um, But yeah, showing up to the food. And another thing is not just showing up to protests because a lot of people are like, yeah, I go to like a million protests, but they don't come to food drives. They don't come to vigils for people who we've lost. They don't come to birthday celebrations for people we've lost. They don't, you know what I mean? Like they they don't come to any of that other stuff. They just go to protests where it's fun and full of action or whatever the case is. Um, And that's not helpful either because everything that we do is just as equally is equally as important as a protest. Um, so volunteering for food drives, donating toiletries and all that type of stuff. Nita's Love Train, people can donate to Nita's Love Train. Um, she's out here doing the good work, um, but definitely needs donations. Um, yeah, I would say that that's how you get involved, like show up with your actual body if you're capable. Um, and if you're not, um, posting, reposting to social media is also when you see like flyers and stuff like that, bookmark it, share it, like give give organizers a boost in the algorithm. Um, and then also supporting organizers, even when they're not organizing is another thing. Cause like a lot of people, they kind of look at us as this like, oh, like we are only entertained when you, you do what you're supposed to be doing when you're organizing. But like organizers are people who create artwork and sell stuff and want to perform places and stuff like that. So just supporting the people who are, out here on the front lines, even when they're not out there so that they can continue to be out there. Um, and the last thing, how can people like, like directly like support you or like how can they like connect with you, your work? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm about to drop some more shirts. There's like some shirts left on my site, but I started making t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, and that my shop name on Instagram is shop Kobo, K-O-B-O. And then my Instagram is naira.bills. Um, post a lot of interesting stuff on there. But um, yeah, I'd say like, I don't know. I mean, shop with me <laughs> when I drop stuff. That's helpful. But um, yeah, I have an Instagram. I have a Twitter. It's super naira. 
but I think those are like really the way that people can support me. If you want to send me random monies or flowers, I love flowers. But yeah, but really just like, yeah, re like acknowledging me as a person and not just the organizer so that I can thrive outside of that work. Yeah. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Well, you thanks. deserve flowers. Yes, definitely. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yes, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really want to say thank you. And um, we know that you're just going to continue to like do like really great and like inspiring things. And we can't wait to see you continue to grow. And yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate y'all. Y'all are um, really cool for using your platform to kind of amplify like other people's voices. Um, yeah, well, thanks so much. <laughs> get it back, get it back, get it back. Wanna see you innovate. Demonstrate, get it back. I know now it's love wasting your time. I see all the more reasons to make time for me. Get it back, get it back, get it back. Wanna see you innovate, demonstrate.